Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be joined by Dr. James Underberg from the New York University School of Medicine. Dr. Underberg is an expert on the science of cholesterol and the role that cholesterol can play when it comes to the risk for heart disease. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. James Underberg. Dr. Underberg, good morning and welcome. It's so great to have you with us. So great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I was just talking earlier when I said lipids. It sounds like something that lives in the woods, the lipids versus the gnomes. What is a lipid? Well, lipid is just either cholesterol or something called triglycerides. And they're two very essential components of our body. We couldn't live without them. Like anything else, too much of a good thing can be too bad. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you and I were talking just briefly during the news break. We have the LDL and the HDL. And we say, well, one of them is good cholesterol. The other is bad cholesterol. But that is really not true at all. And you guys are trying to get away from those two adjectives. We are, we are. People try to simplify this and say, oh, if you have a lot of the good cholesterol, you're okay, and if you have too much of the bad cholesterol, you're in trouble. And the answer is there is no bad or good. There's just cholesterol. And the cholesterol gets carried around the body inside different vehicles, kind of like trucks and cars and vans. And if you got too many cars on the highway, guess what? The highway gets congested, traffic backs up, and you end up with a problem. And that's what happens in the bloodstream. Couldn't be any simpler. I've got some notes here, so I don't know this. This is not me saying this, but I did not realize that the cholesterol that we have in our body, 80% of it is stuff that we make ourselves in our body. And as you say, it's essential for pretty much every one of our systems. Yeah, every cell in the body really makes cholesterol. Most of it's made in the liver, but even the brain makes cholesterol. And some people worry their cholesterol is too low and it'll affect their brain. Turns out the cholesterol in the body doesn't even get into the brain. The brain's an independent corporation, makes all of its own cholesterol. We only get cholesterol from the intestine, only about 20%. So then when everyone says, oh, I'm going to lower my cholesterol by diet, even if you cut your cholesterol intake in half, you're only lowering your cholesterol about 10%, which is not a lot, which is why we need cholesterol medicine sometimes to help people out. Yeah, I'm on a statin myself. Been on that for over 10 years now. That's another story. I don't know that we really even need to get into medications at this point. Although, if you think differently, by all means, say, Dave, you're wrong about that, dude. That no, seems... I think it's important for people to understand they have an issue. And if they have an issue, then they get to someone who helps them. There are a lot of ways to deal with this, but the first thing is always to find out whether or not you may have a problem. And that's really the first step is identifying the issue. Cholesterol is a waxy, fat-like substance. It produces the testosterone and progesterone, so there's something everybody kind of knows the importance of. And it creates bile to help the liver turn fat into fatty acids. Bile is kind of a nasty-sounding word, and I thought bile was kind of a nasty thing. What is bile, and why are we creating that? What does it do? So the liver does a lot of important things. One of them is to make these things called bile salts, which leave the liver and go into the intestine, and they're essentially detergents, and they allow us to digest our food. 
But the way you make a bile salt is from cholesterol, and it's the back door. It's the way cholesterol gets out of the body. So when the liver thinks you have too much cholesterol, it packages it into bile, and it sends it back out into the intestine. And then it becomes a detergent that helps you digest the food that you're consuming. So bile has two important functions. The first is for digestion, and the second is the way the cholesterol gets out of the liver. And the liver is really the only organ in the body that gets rid of cholesterol for us. So if you have too much cholesterol, it either goes into the artery wall or it heads back to the liver and the liver gets rid of it. And that's what the bile is for. So if you're doing okay in terms of ingestion of cholesterol, and, and you say, well, you're only taking in 20%, you're making 80%, so it's not going to make that much of a difference. But there are other factors, too, and we'll talk about exercise and all, and I want to see how that affects that 20% or even part of the 80%. So we're producing this cholesterol. When it goes back into the liver, is that a good thing in terms of, well, once it gets back to the liver and it goes right on out? the body or is it going to kind of recirculate and cause more problems? Sometimes it can recirculate back out again. The liver can only get rid of so much of it. And sometimes the liver overproduces cholesterol. And sometimes the intestine absorbs too much. A classic example is after menopause. As estrogen levels go down for women, the body tries to fix that by making more estrogen. And guess where it gets its basic product from? Cholesterol. So after the menopause, many women absorb more of the cholesterol they consume in the intestine, which we believe may be one of the reasons that heart disease risk goes up in women after the menopause. So understanding the way cholesterol kind of moves around the body helps us get a better understanding of what happens at different phases of the life. And some people absorb more cholesterol than others. Folks with inherited cholesterol disorders, as an example, something I spend a lot of my time taking care of, people who just don't metabolize cholesterol properly, they tend to A, not clear it by the liver as well as they should. And in many cases also, they absorb too much of it. These are folks who can get in trouble earlier in life because they have high cholesterol from the day they're born. Cholesterol moves around the body in a lot of different ways. And the key thing is to try to understand, is it elevated? Why is it elevated? And then is it elevated in the context of any other risk factors for heart disease? such as high blood pressure, diabetes, being overweight or obese, smoking, having a family history of heart disease. Any of these things increase the likelihood that cholesterol will cause a problem because it's not just what is the cholesterol level, but what is the cholesterol level in the context of the other risk factors for heart disease? You and I were having a conversation earlier about a great analogy. If you were driving a truck down the road at a speed of 55 miles an hour and all the tires were inflated properly, your car would be driving fine. But if one of your tires was low with air, that same 55 miles an hour would be more dangerous because of the fact that one of your tires weren't inflated properly. So it's the same with cholesterol. The same cholesterol level can affect two people differently. They have other risk factors for heart disease. I knew a man, he was a priest at my parish here in New Orleans. I met him when he was in his 70s. He died in his early 90s. He was one of these skinny little guys, wiry, played golf every day. You couldn't hardly catch up with him because he was one of those guys, walk with me. If you want to talk to him, you had to walk with him. His cholesterol ratings were like in the 300s. To your point about inherited familial cholesterol, and he was just fine. Yep. Some people can live with higher cholesterol levels, but you have to be very, very careful in people who say they're fine because they can be fine until they're not fine. So we tend to be very vigilant about folks with high cholesterol levels and do a little extra screening in those patients to make sure we're not missing anything. 
And Dr. James Underberg is with us here this morning. We are talking about cholesterol because, well, it's National Cholesterol Awareness Month, not that we don't need to worry about it the other 11 months. I thought we'd talk a little about numbers, Dr. Underberg, but it's not bad and good cholesterol. We have LDL and HDL, but maybe we could talk about what the L and the H really mean. Right. So the LDL cholesterol is the cholesterol that tends to get into the artery wall and start the process of heart disease if you have too much of it. In many cases, it gets into the artery wall and it gets removed and it's not a problem. But if the amount coming in is more than you can remove, imagine dumping sand into a pit and having three people taking it out versus only one person taking it out. It accumulates. And if it accumulates, then it can lead to the development of plaque and obstruction or plaque breaking off and causing a heart attack and stroke. The HDL cholesterol, we always thought of it as the person kind of removing the cholesterol and bringing it back to the liver, but it turns out that's only a small percentage of what the HDL does, and the HDL also can deliver cholesterol to organs that need it. And in some cases, if you have too much of the HDL cholesterol, it can actually be bad. So we really focus on the LDL. Typically, a number that most people would think would be reasonable would be 100 for the LDL. Anything above 100? I think someone should at least start thinking about what else is going on. We used to think 130 was normal. That's really just average or 50%. And I always say, what's the average way to die in this country? It's heart disease. So I don't think you want your cholesterol to be average. So an LDL below 100, I think, would be good for most people. But if it starts getting north of 130, you really want to start thinking about why and making sure that you're getting everything else checked. And that's just a short kind of overview. If we could maybe just take a little detour and talk about heart disease, and I think it might possibly be versus heart attack. You gave a great analogy about the tires. Let's talk about the fuel pump. Fuel mm-hmm. pump's working just great. Engine's running fine, but I crimp the fuel line from the fuel tank. Now the fuel pump is not getting fuel, so even though it's working just fine, it can't do its job, so therefore the engine stops. When you have cholesterol to the point that it blocks an artery, can your heart still be fine, but it just is not getting the blood it needs because now the fuel line is blocked? Imagine the fuel line being partially blocked, and then you need to go faster. And what happens is as you step on the gas, you need more gas delivered to that fuel pump. But if you have a partial blockage, you can't deliver the amount that you need, and so you don't get the speed you want. And that's what happens as you have these partial blocks that when you're moving at low speed, maybe you're walking, everything's fine. But in a period of stress, and that stress can be physical stress, that stress can be emotional stress. It can be a lot of different types of stresses. It can be an environmental stress. Say when we were here in New York and we had all that fire and smoke and people suddenly have less oxygen to their lungs. That stresses them. So whatever the stress is, if you have a partial blockage, it suddenly makes that blockage worse. Just like if you had a partial blockage of the fuel line and then you needed more fuel, you wouldn't be able to deliver it. So that's the best analogy I can think of. So people can feel fine until they do something or something is imposed on them that doesn't normally happen. So that's what a stress test is, really. A stress test stresses you in situations that you normally don't have. But I always remind people that a normal stress test doesn't necessarily mean that you still may have some blockage. It just isn't enough to cause you to have a problem yet. So 
I always remind people, our former president, Bill Clinton, had a stress test and it was normal. Two months later, he had bypass surgery. So having a normal stress test does not mean you don't have heart disease. And I think that's a very important thing to remember. I think the key word there might be yet. You don't have a problem yet, but you have a problem. You're going to have a problem. Problems brewing, it's just a question of when it manifests. And you don't want to wait to have a heart attack to find out you have heart disease. Because if you have a heart attack, then the muscle can be damaged and it may not ever come back. So that's why we're all about prevention, trying to find things before they happen. So looking at risk factors like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, overweight, smoking, diabetes, family history, kidney disease. Any of these things should prompt someone to want to get their cholesterol screened and maybe do some additional screening for heart disease. And one of the things that I think can be very helpful. It's a test called the coronary calcium scan, which is a low-dose CAT scan looking at the arteries around the heart to see if you have any early plaque or calcification. Rather than guessing, just look. That's the best way I know. I usually manage to do this, Dr. Underberg. I usually manage to come up with Dave's dumb question of the day. So here it is. So we're producing 80% of cholesterol we need ourselves. Our body is doing that because cholesterol is essential. We get the other 20% through mostly animal byproducts, eggs, cheese, and meat. So if you're a vegan, are you in good shape pretty much going right into the ball game here? Well, eating a vegan diet is certainly very friendly for cholesterol, and it can lower cholesterol, and it is a heart-healthy diet, assuming that you're not replacing your meat products with processed vegan food, right? Because you know as well as I can, you can fill your refrigerator with vegan sausage, vegan bacon, and all kinds of processed foods that can be just as harmful as the animal products. But a healthy vegan diet can be very friendly for cholesterol if a lot of your cholesterol sources are from your diet. But even in folks who have inherited high cholesterol, I have a good friend here at NY you. Her name is Dr. Michelle McMacken, and she's a big proponent and a kind of a national leader in this space. She's helped a lot with a lot of our patients who have inherited high cholesterol and shown that even in these cases, a vegan diet can really help improve the cholesterol profile and minimize in many cases the need for medication. So I always say if you're going to go on a vegan diet, make sure you do it with the counseling of someone who understands it, a registered dietitian, because you do need to replace some of the essential vitamins and fats that you might be missing otherwise. But it can be a very healthy approach to cholesterol. I mentioned exercise. That's on the list of things to do. Tell us about exercise. What do you feel about it? Exercise is healthy. And I always say this to my patients who have high cholesterol. I say, all right, doc, I'm going to exercise more and come back and show you that I don't need to go on cholesterol medicine. And I always say the same thing to them. I say exercise is good for you, whether it lowers your cholesterol or not. It may lower cholesterol a small amount. It may raise the HDL and lower the LDL and lower the triglycerides if you exercise. It may or may not affect weight, but it's a healthy thing to do independent of any of these things. So sometimes people will come back after three months and they've joined a gym, they've started exercising or they're running outside or they're working with a trainer and they've become more fit and aerobically they can do more. And the cholesterol hasn't changed. And I say keep up the good work because what you're doing has changed the context of your cholesterol. You filled that tire up with air and now you're running on four good tires instead of three and a half. So exercise is good no matter what. And I usually say exercise for 45 minutes most days of the week. What's most days of the week? In my mind, it's five. You can get five days a week of exercise in, whether it's walking, moving, running, playing, activity, anything. It's great. Basically, some kind of movement. 
just get up and move. The American Heart Association used to have this great phrase, choose to move, take the stairs instead of the escalator, right? Yeah, you know, I remember. Walk so, the extra couple of blocks to the next bus stop. Move around a little more at home. Get up and walk. Go downstairs and walk the dog. People who own dogs seem to be healthier. Why? Because they're moving more. I know a lot of our listeners listening right now make a point to when they get to a truck stop to park as far away from the building as they can, so they get a pretty good little walk going back and forth. Those yeah, little yeah. things like that add up. Even so, just moving in a seating position, right? Just moving mm-hmm. your feet around, moving your behind around. Anything that gets you wiggling and moving is a good thing. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> okay, tobacco and alcohol, they're on every list. It's like, okay, we got that. I know it has to do with heart health and overall lung health, obviously, but cholesterol? Yeah, so I'll make this easy. What tobacco does is, first of all, it lowers the HDL cholesterol. So it may impact its ability to remove cholesterol and get it back to the liver. Secondly, tobacco affects the lining of the artery wall. It makes it easier for cholesterol to get in. And once cholesterol gets into the artery wall, it makes it stickier. It makes it more likely to stay. So tobacco is like lowering the air in the tire. It just sets things up for it to be more of a dangerous issue. So if you're smoking, you're essentially opening the door and letting the guys in to take all your stuff. That's what's happening. So I always say, if you smoke, stop. If you're thinking about smoking, don't. Even passive smoke exposure increases the risk of heart disease. It's one of the first things we try and get people to do. It's interesting. If you can get someone to stop smoking within a year, you significantly reduce your risk of heart disease. It takes a lot longer to go on cholesterol medicines to achieve the same thing. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health podcast through Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels powered by Radio Nemo.